Welcome to the Sharon for Tomorrow's podcast and today is episode 55 and I have a wonderful guest with me today, Mary Kyo, a native of Dublin, Northside Proud, who now lives with her family in Toronto, Canada. A registered psychotherapist in her practice, Solis Mental Health Services, Mary says her greatest achievement today was becoming a mam. And we're going to go deep into all of those lovely things. And I want to welcome you, Mary. We had a little chat before you came on, and I am so, so happy to see you in person. Hello there, Sharon. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for the invite. Oh, so Mary and myself connected through Instagram. And I know like that sometimes people say, you know, well, you're just connected to people online and you don't really get to know them. But it's amazing. In some way, I feel like I know Mary. And this is our first time speaking on camera. And we're saying we're going to meet in person. We have a friend in common. And Mary is also married to a lovely Galway man. So we have lots more in common than we realize. So, Mary, we're going to go back as we always do in your beautiful journey. So you're a proud native of Dublin. What made you decide that you would you know, hit the Canadian shores and maybe stay there for a little while and end up staying a lot longer. Yes, it goes back a little while for me now, Sharon. I'm here, I'll be here in Toronto 34 years in April. Um, originally, I came over for a year, left when I was 20. Um, my mom would always say when I was asked as a child what I wanted to be when I grew up, I always said I wanted to travel. It was what I always said. So I came to Toronto for a year as a nanny there's a program in place that if you come over as a nanny for two years after that you get an open work permit and then you can become a landed immigrant and get to stay here and become a Canadian citizen eventually so I had no intention of that I came for a year met other nannies from a uh, lot from Ireland a lot from different places in Ireland and I had great fun great uh, it was an adventure loved Canada now to be fair I came in April so it was coming and then summer happened so we were into 20 30 degree weather and sunshine I often think if I came in November I don't know if my experience would have been the same but came in April I had a great summer that year um, and then that December I was in an Irish pub where else are you going to be on New Year's and I met my husband-to-be um, he is a proud Galway man. Uh, he's from the city, from Newcastle, and uh, met Dave and kind of just took it from there. Never said I was going to stay till I was here about 10 years, I think. Um, so left nannying after two years and then I moved into the corporate world here in Toronto. I was human resources, um, worked for Sears Canada, which is Sears Roebuck in the States. So I was in their head office here in Canada and I worked there for almost 19 years. Wow. Uh, about 10 different jobs always in HR loved it because I love people I find people and people's stories fascinating mm -hmm. there's a curiosity in me I think we've all got stories and um, so it was in HR for yeah almost 19 years and then parallel to that Dave and I were still going out so I got my old landed immigrant became a Canadian citizen and then we got married in 96 back in Dublin we went home and uh I remember in 97, so what was I here then? Nine years, we bought our house, which we're still in. And I remember my dad saying to me, Mary, think that's it. I don't think you're going to come home. And I remember saying to him, no, don't say that. Like, don't say that. It wasn't that I wasn't happy in Toronto, love Toronto, but I still love home, right? So I think one of my learnings in life is I've really learned to balance the two. Um, I'm a very proud Northside Finglas. I grew up in Finglas. Mam is still there. Um, very proud of where I'm from. I'll never forget from where I'm from. I love going home. I love the laugh when I go home. But I also realize Toronto and Canada has been very good to me. Mm. And I'm very appreciative of that as well, you know. So I really learned to balance. I'm very proud of both sides. And I can be both. I can be Irish and I can be an Irish woman living in Canada. Yeah. Um, so... 
the probably one of the biggest journeys that Dave and I have had would be, um, and I may be going ahead of us now. I don't want to go too. Well, I'll time. ask you first about the yeah. Canadian thing because I think that's very interesting. I know um, in our generation, going back, we were just it was natural to work abroad, you know, to go to the UK and America and Canada, yeah. Australia, very, very natural because there was very little work or opportunities in Ireland at the time. And so we were only talking about this last night, myself and my husband with my 22 year old. And he was saying, name all the cities that you lived in. And we were saying it and we were laughing, you know, it's not that many compared to a lot of younger people now, but we had no choice because we had to go for work and everything else like that. Whereas now younger kids, you know, mm. college age are taking a year out their summer and they're going abroad or they're working in different countries for a year and they've loads of opportunities, mm -hmm, I believe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But isn't it amazing thing, just when you're saying there about being kind, I was in Toronto as well. I was visiting a friend and I have another friend okay. living there and I loved it. And I said, it's one of the places I would really love to go back and spend more time in. Mm -hmm. And I know for many people like you that have gone over there and settled and another girl that I interviewed, Shauna Moore, and is living in Vancouver. And right. she's a proud Mayo woman now living over there. <laughs> Very good. Up Mayo. Yeah. yeah. So I think the Irish can be found everywhere on the world, around the world, I Absolutely. should say. And but there's a thing about us Irish, we're very used to making our home anywhere, Mary. We are, indeed, we are. I think it's in our genetic makeup. I, mm -hmm. I think we are, and I think we're very good at where we go. We work our, you know, we work very hard. Yeah. Um, we're not afraid of hard work. And um, I think that's very well appreciated and very well known. Mm -hmm. um, and you're right, I think the Irish education system is second to none these days. And I part of my practice now, about a quarter of my clients are Irish. A lot of the young coming over, great education, great work experience. Um, and I think it's up to us to prove ourselves. And I think we do prove ourselves. And mm -hmm. um, my experience in the corporate world was if you work hard, if you have a good attitude, if you show up and be grateful for any opportunities, you'll do well, right? Um, and that was definitely my experience, but I agree with you. I think we are an adaptable race. Mm. And fun loving. And we, oh, you know, I think that's one of the things that we were talking about is the banter and making conversation and seeing the funny side of things and, you know, and working hard, you know, that we're not, we don't feel entitled in any way somehow mm -hmm. that we know we have to work hard to get anywhere in life. And I think we appreciate things more when we have to work that little bit harder, Mary, don't we? I think we do. I think there's a very much a, a common sense approach as well, right? And I think a lot of this goes back to our upbringing. I really do. Family of origin, right? I think a lot of it is, and it's a very Irish thing, you know, don't get too big for your britches, you know, and, you know, you have to work hard and be thankful for what you have. Um, and I do think we appreciate it. I think we appreciate opportunities. Um, I think sometimes um, what I have seen and what I would see in myself when I was younger would be maybe the self-confidence not there or maybe the self-worth isn't there, right? Or the willing, you know, the ability to see just what we can offer. Um, I do think it's changing with the younger um, now a little bit, which is nice to see as well as more of a confidence. Mm -hmm. But you're right, I, I wouldn't for the most part. I don't like to say everybody, you know, yeah. um, but I, I don't see a lot of arrogance, no. Absolutely no. right. And yeah. the fun and the laugh and the humor. Yeah, I love it. I'm, up for I a laugh, it. up for a party. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. Why not? Right? And why yeah, not? Absolutely. Yes. It's life is serious coping. enough. Isn't absolutely. It? Yeah. It's one of the best coping mechanisms in life, as long as you're not bypassing the tough things. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that because in your career in human resources, for you, it was all about building relationships mm -hmm. with your clients and your colleagues. And again, I believe that is one of the things that helps us build our confidence and our self-worth, isn't it? It's forming those relationships and having, you know, respectful relationships mm -hmm. with other people, mm -hmm. but also learning from them. You know, and it's another thing I spoke with my son and I said, sometimes you may not like authority, but those people that have been, you know, mm -hmm. they've worked 10, 20, 30 years longer than you and, you know, they have a lot to share and Absolutely. sometimes you might come in and think we all thought we knew it all when we were 20 or 21 or 22 but you know now I look back and I think it's 
it wasn't always about the education system. Sometimes it was the real life experiences, Mary, that taught me the most, you know, yeah. particularly in my 20s and stuff. And for you, how did those, I suppose, relationships or connections in when you were working through human resources for over 20 years, where do you think that foundation like stayed with you for when you moved into your psychotherapy or thinking mm. about moving into psychotherapy? Mm. What was it that really gripped you and you thought, I really would like to work, you know, one on one more with people? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. Um, I think for me, we're all in relation in life, right? We're all in relation with everybody we meet. That's one of the areas I do as a psychotherapist is relational psychotherapy. So it's all about the connection mm -hmm. and being with and the relationships we build with each other. Um, and that was what HR was. It was, you know, I, I realized quite quickly, regardless of your job title, regardless of your level, whether you and I worked at when I started, like, God bless them. They really took a chance on me, but I was a receptionist in the executive offices of the company. So what I did, I answered the phones and when people were coming in for meetings, you know, call the secretaries and get them to the secretaries at those days yeah. and with the vice president and CFOs and stuff. Um, what I learned very quickly is behind the titles, there's a person. Behind every title, there's a person. And if you treat somebody with respect, and be open and honest within reason um it will be reciprocated for the most mm -hmm. part right i didn't let titles overwhelm me i showed respect but i i learned very quickly that there were people behind the titles and as i grew in my role i think i had, I had 10 jobs when i worked in that company um all around different areas of um hr it was a huge there was fifty thousand employees when i started mm -hmm. so it was big um and I just really learned about, uh, yes, and people in a different role would have a different personality. And what I mean by that is I was HR for IT. So our IT people, different than maybe the merchandising or people, right? Or the finance people. But it's all about being with the person. And some of the work I did in human resources was tough, right? So we went through downsizing. My job was to represent the company and you know present packages and I always brought it back to the person I was doing it with and I always thought to myself how would I like to be treated mm. this could happen me one day mm. you know you never know what's what's ahead so it was always for me I always brought it back down to the individual people mm. and I just kind of I also learned that trust is huge in any relationship and trust doesn't come overnight trust is you do what you say you'll do uh, you're transparent and you're open and honest obviously to the best of your ability hr you know there's non-disclosures all over the place the stuff you're not going to share but i always <clears throat> loved about being in relation with people that was very important to me um and i really enjoy it just genuinely enjoyed it yeah and i think it is sometimes there are you know those of us that love people and we love talking and listening and sharing stories and there are other people that are suited to more roles where it's quieter and they don't have to talk as much as us or listen Absolutely. as much they like the solitude and they like working that way were you a chatty child Mary were you one of those children that was always talking or singing or playing or hopping around the place Absolutely, you have to ask. I was, I'm the baby, so I had two older brothers. Yeah. Um, I was, I would say I was giddy, I was talkative, loved my dad, very much a daddy's girl, um, loved my mom too, but I was definitely the only girl and the baby, yeah. so um, always always loved playing outside, I grew up in a cul-de-sac and there's loads of families, so we'd be out all day and um, loved people, loved listening, be a little bit precocious to be honest yeah. with you like but I, I think I grew up for the most part around very tolerant mm -hmm. mom is from a big family so loads of cousins on mom's side my dad um had one sister who never married so we were the only grandchildren on that side my dad's from Renal at the south side so um yes I was I would say I was giddy I would say more than one time my report card said Mary my maiden name was Burke Mary Burke needs to I do remember I think it was second year in secondary was it? Yeah, second year in secondary school. Uh, one of my teachers said if Miss Burke spent as much time studying as she did talking, she'd be a scholar. 
So I, I think many of us have report cards like that, Mary. Right. I was proud. I'm proud. And yes. Yeah. You were being young and you know yes, what, that's what we learned from it. But just hearing about your family background, you know, you kind of had a solid foundation, you know, even yes, in your family and the yeah. security and stability and love and fun element of it, which is huge, you know, and I know that you'll see that through your own work is that, a lot of people don't have that element, Absolutely. you know, and yeah. it takes a lot more than to build that foundation. So Absolutely. you kind of, even though you mightn't have been as confident as you are now or value yourself as much as mm -hmm. you do now, mm -hmm. but that you had a solid foundation going Absolutely. to Canada, you know, starting out even as the nanny, you know, and building that strength and connection. And then, mm -hmm. as you said, you know, people took chances, but they could see something in you, Mary, you know, mm -hmm. and you obviously gave it to them in leaps and bounds when you were there for that many years and helping their organization and of course their employees and all of the management yeah it was definitely took me a while to go into it I'd say imposter syndrome would certainly have been something that I would have dealt with for definitely my 20s maybe early 30s I was being promoted into different positions and I remember distinctly saying to one of the managers of hired me I'm not sure if I can do this and he said for God's sake Mary yeah you know he says I know you can do it oh. um, now I'm paraphrasing he probably didn't say for God's sake because that's a very Irish yeah. expression but he said I know you can do it um, and he said let's just take it every day right and absolutely grew into it yeah absolutely how and amazing was that manager absolutely to, you know and yeah. I think that's uh, something that we need to look at more and more to give people opportunities and to see the potential and to encourage it because I spoke with oh I think it was my siblings on my Christmas special and we were saying the words were connection community encouragement you know mm -hmm. such powerful words that we kind of forgotten a little bit I think maybe because yeah, of absolutely. lockdown maybe because of the world turning and moving so fast but now we're coming back to realizing again, you know, mm -hmm. what's truly important mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. And you've said it there for someone to believe in you when you didn't truly believe in Absolutely. yourself. It makes you want to do better. Absolutely. And, and it's kind of like part of it is, well, if they see something, right. Um, and then, I, you know, you grow into it in, in increments and, you know, the things like, that's why of course I think one of my things I love to say is she believed she couldn't she did right and it and it, it's funny because then in my career I did a lot of recruiting a lot of hiring and I became on the panel the person who would then look I really you know yes education I guess it, there needs to be a certain level right but I was always interested in the personality the fit yeah. right I was always interested in the fit and I, I remember getting pushback from a few different managers along the line they say this person has this degree or this college or this university or this master's because master's became everything here probably the same at home in around 2005-2006 and I remember thinking but the fit on your team I would know why there was a space on the team the last person left because they didn't fit in the team maybe so fit is huge yeah. so I always like to think you know I was able to pass forward some of what was shown to me over the years mm -hmm. um and even as a therapist now my, big part of my role is to shine the light for people and see I I see in them what they don't see in them yeah, I uh, initially that. yeah but but I think that's part of being in relation with people and for me something that's really important Mary and I can see it and even feel it from you when you're speaking how important it is you know that again and we talked about you know the titles and labels and mm. there's a person behind that and again sometimes there's too much importance put on the title or the label mm. rather than the actual person themselves mm. and then they have to live up to that title or label and yeah. they're suffering and struggling behind it which is oh. huge so for me, just like you, it, to me, it doesn't matter what they are. I prefer not to know what they are. Mm -hmm. You know, just come as you are and we'll get to know each other as people, you know. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, because sometimes we do have preconceived notions about oh, yeah. if a person is such and so. We can't help it. It's just mm -hmm. human nature. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, and I, we were talking about that even in my last podcast about when we were doing the Camino and Robert said, she'd be walking and he's from Kildare. You'd be walking along beside somebody. Sure, you wouldn't know what they did. <laughs> and isn't that lovely a job didn't matter Absolutely. it doesn't though no it that moment mattered that 
connection with the person and when you really connected and we didn't stay on that surface you know skimming over it we just allowed ourselves to be for me that is the most beautiful connection and I I remember I suppose what we do is it's always about the feeling isn't it the experience and that for you even in your life it seems that you had so much experience in connection and feeling with people Mm -hmm. that again Mm -hmm. it has lent to the work you do now that's exactly it the probably the I I guess when oh when was it probably around 2010 I had started thinking was HR going to be you know my career for the rest of my was where I was going to be for the rest of my career um and there's the you know there's the defined benefit pension put away there's the the certain amount of vacation every year you know there's the benefits over here you get the health benefits dental benefits and so on one side that's kind of there's this voice saying but mary there's nice stability in this and then there's the other side of me there was a yearning is the only word i can and i remember thinking there's more there is more for me and it really came down to um authenticity and genuineness you know i i yes i i did get into some you know deeper conversations when i was uh worked in hr maybe you know people were off on sick leave and i was the one they had to call and all people were being let go and i was the one that would have the conversation and then the follow-up with them but i at the end of the day, I was representing the company. I was an employee of that company. And I remember thinking, I want to be able to go deeper and be more, you know, deeper and more authentic with people one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's what, you know, gave me the kind of the push. Plus, I had a husband, who I have to be honest. I came home from work one day and said, Dave, I want to resign, you know, and I want to go back to college for full time. I had looked up a few programs. And his answer to me was, um, okay, I guess that's going to be what we did. He put it, three lunch boxes we need to put together every morning, you know, Aww. the kids and me. And so he just, I've always said, you know, he's my polar opposite. He's IT, I'm the people. Mm-hmm. Dave is quieter. Um, but my God, he's always giving me the roots and the wings to do mm-hmm. um, what I do. And it's lovely um, because otherwise I probably wouldn't have taken the final leap, you know. Wow, that's lovely. I love to hear that. And it is important, whether it is your partner mm-hmm. or someone in your family or friendships, to mm-hmm. give the support, you Absolutely. know, that again, the encouragement again, yeah, isn't it? And say, it you know, it might be a change, it might be different. You know, I know circumstances for families with finances and mm-hmm. bills and all of those things. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that you really believe in, I always say, you'll find a way around you all will. of those things. You yeah. really will. If it's something that's kind of like you knew you wanted to go deeper and work more authentically with people that to me is you know people say what's my purpose I said that's what your purpose is what you feel burning inside of you and it's constantly coming up and you're going how do I bring this into Mm -hmm. another role and Mm -hmm. I said when you just say I'm going to go and find out how I can use this you'll start seeing these things everywhere and you'll kind of go instead of just saying I'm just stay here as you said the benefits are great. Yeah. You know, we've all left corporate and you're crazy. And why did yeah. you do that? And I yeah. said, because it was great while I was there, like you, Mary, it offered me so much. I learned so much about myself like you did. But apart from wanting to be at home with my children as well, because mm-hmm. we had moved house. And I'm glad now because it gave me space to really connect with myself. Yeah. And then excuse me to realize what I really wanted to do so I'm glad I gave myself the space it was a gift really a gift and sometimes we have to gift ourselves Mary don't we yeah 100 percent and 100 percent yeah yeah now I want to talk of different types of gifts for you and blessings in your life and you have two beautiful children yes a lovely daughter that's 21 and a son who's now 16 is that right he is ashling my daughter will be 22 in march and oran will be 17 in april yeah wow amazing so your journey to and because you know i said that in your intro that your biggest achievement above Mm -hmm. everything that you've done Mm -hmm. was becoming a mother because the journey to motherhood was not very easy for you mary if no. that's one way to put it <laughs> it was yeah it was definitely not the journey we thought we'd have that's for sure we got married as I said I think earlier in 96 and um planned on starting a family right away 
Um, and we didn't actually get pregnant with our Ashling for three years. It took us three years and many doctor's appointments, many tears, many ultrasounds, many blood work, few surgeries. Um, it was a journey. It was an absolute journey that was um, very unexpected. Um, I, I would have to say it was the, my first experience that effort did not equal results. Yeah. So we, oh boy, you know, we tried, it was hard. And um, I think anyone, like the statistics in Toronto are, are and it's probably the same in Ireland, I think it's one in six couples mm. who experience infertility. It's a tough old road. It's a lonely road. Um, and it's, you know, it's emotional, it's mental, it's physical, it's spiritual, it's also financial, it's not a cheap road. So yeah, it took us a long time, a lot of growth in that time, a lot of pain, a lot of tears. Um, and that actually, through that journey, so that would be 23 years ago, I would have gotten pregnant with Ashling, yeah, in the summer. That's when I discovered spirituality and that whole side of my journey. Mm. Um, there was a great doctor in the States, Alice Domer. She worked in a fertility clinic affiliated with Harvard. She was running a program all about mind-body connection for infertility. And um, I found her and I found some of her books on talking about meditation and relaxation and mind-body connection and something in it, something woke up in me at that time. And I remember thinking, yeah, you know, what have I to lose? And if anything, maybe it'll make me feel better. And it did. And yeah, yeah, so that will be 23 years ago. We finally got pregnant with our Ashling. Uh, She's an IUI baby, so artificial insemination. Um, Tough pregnancy. I'd say the first trimester was lots of, uh, thought we were losing her many times, but she hung on. I had a visualization. I used to visualize her as a little koala bear inside me. Uh, I used to tell her to hold on and she did. Oh, Mary, that's so amazing. Like really, it was, um, I wish I could say it an easy pregnancy, but the up until 16, 17 weeks was tough. But then I had a great pregnancy and then she arrived and then life totally changed, right? You know, she was worth everything. Uh, exceeded any expectation and any dream her name as you know Ashling means dream and you know that's why we called her Ashling because she really is our dream baby um yeah so the road to parenthood for both of us but it wasn't easy and I think one thing we also learned was how I dealt with the journey was very different to how Dave dealt with the journey right Mm. and it was figuring out just because we were dealing with it differently didn't mean we didn't care um, and it's so funny because now as a therapist, one of the areas I do work with are couples going through infertility and quite, quite a few guys. And it is figuring, and you know, we deal with things differently. We deal with everything differently in life. So infertility is exactly the same. Um, and it's just kind of giving, giving them space to figure out, you know, the whole journey as well. It was definitely, and I have friends who have gone through it as well it definitely was a really tough old road yeah I'll never forget it never will I'm not stuck in it I think our life is many it's a storybook like we said earlier many chapters and I have some brilliant chapters oh my goodness but everyone's life has ups and downs yeah it's the meaning you make of it and what you do with it right so yeah, tough old road but yes we uh, we have our Ashline. Uh, and going back to you know because again as you said it's one in six couples you know that are facing this fertility mm-hmm. um journey and some of them are in the middle of it and they're trying and trying mm-hmm. as you said so much stress but the financial stress is huge which Absolutely. leads to other stress in the relationship mm-hmm. and everything else mm-hmm. and I know there's many people and they're saying well is it more common now than it was 20 30 mm-hmm. years ago I said it could be but I think there is more research and studies done on it now mm-hmm. that we're more aware of it whereas years ago you know in Ireland they'd say oh she didn't have any children yeah no. yeah you yeah. know and whatever there was never the reason you know she wasn't that she went to the doctor and there was lots of tests done it was just oh, well, I can't yeah. have them and that's it whereas now you know science is great and we've discovered a little bit more and what can help us Mm -hmm. and what you said there was so important Mary I'm really so grateful that you said it because I'm constantly on to people 
you know, that are with me here as clients and saying about the mind-body connection mm -hmm. and that your body can't work as well as it wants mm -hmm. to when you are so stressed out and you're worrying about everything. So we have to find a balance and we have to give a little bit of ease and we have to make it a welcoming place for, you know, that little baba that wants to come in. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things that we can do, whereas, you know, in that situation, people feel like they've no control. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. Do you feel like that at any stage, Mary? No control. Absolutely. I'd say the first two and a half years, probably like the beginning. It's exciting. You know, you, we had gotten married in June and thought we'd be pregnant by the end of the summer. We were, we were young. I was 28 at the time. Um, and but slowly, I'd say we probably didn't see a doctor for a year. And then we started a whole workup. And um, the more we tried, again, as I said, I thought efforts would equal results, right? So um, it didn't. So probably between one and two years, it started to be very stressful. Yeah. And you're seeing friends get pregnant um, and you're happy. Here's the thing. You're really happy for them. But you're sad for yourself. Right? Cool. And I allowed to be absolutely, but here's the thing, and, and I see it as client with my clients now. You know, you may there may be a little bit of jealousy, but then you feel bad for being jealous, and that's what we talk about. You know, we're, you know, you can be both, you can be happy and you can be sad, you have to make space for both. Yeah. But it was a tough road, yeah, it was a tough road, it was stressful. I do remember times thinking. Um, maybe I should just let it go. This is, you know, it's really, really hard. I was, by nature, I'm an optimist. Yes. And I'm quite, and I had a really hard time. Being sad was very hard for me, but I had to be sad. Mm. Um, and it, because it was sad and it was stressful. Mm. But once I learned to, and another word that big learning for me, surrender, right? Mm. It didn't mean giving up, but it meant surrendering to what's meant to be. I and I remember it. just thinking, I have to let it go. There's only so much I can do. Um, and it was having an impact on me personally. It was having an impact on our marriage. Mm. Not that there was ever any concern about the marriage, but we were stressed. Like there was, yeah. it seemed like the joy, the spontaneity, the happiness yeah. was really, really, you know, it was hard to come by because you ask anybody on the infertility journey, a lady, what day are you on in your cycle? They can tell you. I can guarantee you, right? They know what, and it sounds funny to people who haven't, you know, gone through that. Well, if you're trying to get pregnant, you're obviously yeah. going to know your cycle. But people and people will laugh when we talk about that in session because, or you see everywhere you look, it feels like you see pregnant people, right? It's, and then being told by family and friends, or oh, just relax, everything will be fine, or just relax yes just relax just help but it's not an easy thing to come by you sometimes yeah. you need help to do that right yeah. your focus changes I think oh, totally. Mary doesn't it totally. and you know yeah. I, I always say that as well and I love that you mentioned about your husband and how he dealt with it differently mm -hmm. to you because mm -hmm. I hear sometimes women saying well sure my husband hasn't a clue he doesn't know what I have to go through and I'm saying but he is going through it too but just in a very different way and sometimes the men don't want to say anything because they feel like, well, what can I do? You know, or they I'm may add here. to. Yeah, they yeah. may add to. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I said it's both, you know, and I have I keep saying, remember who you both are. You know, remember you're that couple before anything else and you will be after everything else. You're still two people that love each other. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gets lost. And again, that's the stress. So for you to say that as well is lovely because you've mm -hmm. personally been through it with your husband, Dave. Yeah. And I think it needs to be said and recognized a little bit more, doesn't it? I agree. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I, I think um, I, I remember distinctly people saying to Dave, how's Mary doing? Right. Like how mm. because they and I remember thinking, is anyone asking him how he's doing? Mm. Right. It, it, but it is a journey. And, and I'm a big believer, you know. As I said, some really good things in life, some challenges. Mm. So I learn by them. Um, I don't forget them because they're part of who I am. It's made me the woman I am today. Mm. But I, I love then, you know, hearing other people talk about and being more open about the whole journey. It's a tough old journey, infertility, yeah. pregnancy loss. It is a tough road. Mm. And we move in then because going through that, you know, journey and having your beautiful Ashling. And then how long before you got pregnant again, then Mary? Um, we, two and a half years after Ashling. Um, no, just 
just over two years. We um, had tried for a year, second time around, and we didn't get pregnant. So we went back to, we decided infertility treatment had worked, infertility treatment had worked, so let's do it again. So we went back and we tried a couple of IUIs and it didn't work. Um, so we were on a rest cycle and surprise, surprise, we got pregnant the old fashioned way. Yeah. Um, absolutely delighted, you know, here we were second pregnancy and uh this time around they put me on progesterone to try and help with the support the first trimester um and any complications and it worked so was with a high-risk doctor for the first trimester second time around and um everything was going really well everything was great I got out of the first trimester into the second trimester and I remember asking the doctor could I be released and have a midwife the second time around because I wanted this to be the more chill the more laid-back pregnancy and he said of course no problem I was in this fifth month of pregnancy and I was in work and I stood up and my water broke um and I knew right away I just I sat right down and I worked in human resource office and ironically I was actually sitting with a girl who was eight months pregnant and who's going off on mat leave soon. So I was going through her benefits with her. So I just had to ask her. I didn't say anything. I just had to ask, would it be okay if we rescheduled? And asked her to shut the door behind her. And I called my husband. And Dave worked at that time around 10 minutes away from me. So small mercy. So I just said to him, my manager, who was the HR director, was in a meeting. So I was on my own in the office. And I just said to him what had happened. So... He got up to the office and we phoned the midwife and I told her what had happened. So she just said to me that I had to get in for an ultrasound. So we had an ultrasound very quickly. I'd say within an hour, an hour and a half. We live right in the city and there was uh, clinics nearby. So we went and when I had the scan, the baby, we saw the baby live on the screen. I'll always remember 167 heartbeats that um, but my water had broken and my cervix was 10 centimeters dilated. So there was no option but for our baby to be born. So we were moved um, right to the hospital and I went into labor and delivery and he was born and he was born too young. He was not going to survive outside the womb. So yeah, so that's our, our little boy, Ronan. We named him Ronan. We saw him, we held him, he was gorgeous. A little bit bigger than my hand. Perfect, you could tell it's a little boy. Um, I call him my forever and always baby. You know, he he really and truly is. And like Ashley changed us, he changed us. Um, yeah, tough, tough. He broke me open. He really broke me open, I would say. And but again, that's led me to who I am today. Yeah. And definitely my career. Like I learned from Ronan that um, tough things happen and bad things happen to good people and we've done nothing to deserve us, they sent him to pathology after he was born. He was a perfect little baby. It was just that he, my water broke too early, premature rupture of membranes, um, and he wasn't going to survive. But it was tough. Oh yeah, that that one was really, really hard for us. To um, see him and to hold him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He, yeah, he lay right on my chest. We got to, luckily, we had beautiful nurse um, in the hospital who <clears throat> really encouraged us to spend some time with him. And we have pictures and his, we actually have his ashes. He has his, we have his shelf upstairs with mm. Ronan's with his name and a few different gifts that people gave us. Um <clears throat> And yeah, a tough, um, there's no way, other way I'm going to say it. It was one of the hardest things I've ever been through. But I also, mm. and I really mean this, I saw what a miracle looks like. And he was a miracle and he was mm. amazing. And we have our little angel baby up in heaven. Um, his anniversary is September. And actually, it'll be 20 years this September, which just blows my mind. Yeah, um, yeah it was a tough old road again. It was mm. something... You know, none of us know what you're going to face, but he changed, he broke me open. And I will say the gift Ronan gave me is I'm not afraid to go deep with anybody because I've lived this, I've been there. Empathy. You felt it. Absolutely. Right. You know, you, um, yeah, yeah. Mm. Powerful, Mary. It's really yeah. powerful. And, you know, there's something I can see, you know, if your clients, 
just sitting with you you have a beautiful energy there's a lovely calmness and mm. a lovely compassion and I'm only sitting through the screen ah, and I can feel yeah. it yeah. and I just feel like your words are like soft velvet wrapped around me that's the way I feel it feels like comforting and a nurturing mm, as you're speaking you. yeah mm. so mm. yeah beautiful and I think that does come from experience and that's not taking away from anybody else in their role you know working with people but for me the experiences sometimes have to be deeply felt for you to completely understand and have that empathy and compassion for others Absolutely. because you know the deep down hurt and pain and mm-hmm. loss the mm-hmm. anger the fear all of the emotions that we go through yeah and to see another person it's just you know you you just want to go over and hug them and hold them you know and say you know you're going to go through this it's going to be there for a while but you will Absolutely. get through it you will get through it you will but it, you're right and that's what empathy is right it's the being with but in order to show empathy you need to touch that vulnerable part of who you are mm. and that's the part that connects you have to have that remembered pain mm. um, and my sessions with my clients they're not at all about me I'm not there for my clients no. to help me or fix me no. or or comfort me but mm. it's by the knowing of you know the words I I know yeah right? <clears throat> and I remember Dave and I attended a support group afterwards for bereaved parents and I remember at about six weeks after Ronan I remember the girl who ran the group and she said she was it was run by bereaved parents and I remember the girl said that her wee baby had she'd lost her baby 10 years prior she continued on and had had more children and talked about her journey and her story because that's part of the group you know you tell your story whatever you feel comfortable telling and I remember sitting there and thinking Okay, this has given me hope right now. Can I say a bad word? Any word you want. <laughs> but right now, this is shit. And yeah. This is horrible. But you know what? I've just seen hope in front of me because I've seen somebody who's 10 years out. And while you never forget the baby, life does go on. Right? Mm. And you learn to, as we say in the pregnancy loss world, it's a new normal. You'll never go back to your life the way it was before. But it's more it's the group we used to say it's the group no one wants to be part of but my god it's a tight group it's a tight-knit group and we were all there for each other and I remember getting great hope from this girl who was running the group thinking she went on with life she was able to go back to work she was able to smile again and I remember thinking I can't do it right now but I'll I'll get my hope from you and I did and life does go on and then you had be another beautiful miracle and I love the fact that you said there's hope for the future and you believing in that hope you know even if Mm -hmm. you couldn't feel it but believing that it was there and you adopted your beautiful son we did we did our youngest is Oren um and that was so we lost Ronan in 2002 we tried to get pregnant again and weren't successful um and we made the decision in 2005 to look at adoption Mm -hmm. so we looked private adoption in Canada and we also looked at Russia um China and Kazakhstan uh, which is Central Asia we were approved uh for Russia and our dossier so anyone who's gone through adoption will be able to tell you that the pregnancy it's not like we call it the paper pregnancy because you literally like you have so much paperwork I know people can't see it or listen but I'm showing you like there was there was journals upon journals of paperwork that had to be done um so we started 2005 we were approved to go to Russia we were waiting for a referral and Russia was shut down for adoption late 2005 so a little bit nerve-wracking to say the least at this stage our Ashling was she would have been five and a half um and our agency came to us and said that while Russia was shut down, they were starting a program in Kazakhstan and were we interested in going, but we will be only the second family to go. So it was a little bit nerve wracking because it wasn't like Russia was down path. They had a program, they had people on the ground. Kazakhstan, we were starting from scratch, but we agreed, yes, we were very open and willing to. So in April 2006, Dave Ashling and I went over to Almaty in Kazakhstan and we met our little man, Oren Matthew, 
and oh. he had turned one the week we met him and we he came home to toronto june 2006 wow. so he completed our family and boy has that boy completed our family he's a character he's an absolute devil yeah. um but yeah so Oren is with us now and he definitely has completed the family it's just i it's funny i would I ha- I've always had a hard time accepting Ronan wasn't meant to be mm. um, in this world as a baby with us. But I will also tell you very quickly, Oren was meant to be in our family, right? Yeah. He's uh, People would always say, you know, um, oh, he's such a lucky little guy. And I, I know myself, adoptive parents, that can be a little bit of a touchy thing to say mm. because we're also very, very lucky, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not, he brought, we had so much heartache and pain trying to complete our family, trying to get pregnant. And this little man just came in and just completed us perfectly. He really, oh, really did. Mary. Yeah, he's it's a so joy. lovely. See your smile and your eyes light up when you're talking about your children, even with Ronan, you know, just yeah. holding him, that he's still very much part of it. And sometimes, you know, people say to me, you know, that are struggling with grief, or, you know, and they'd say, well, why did I have to lose such and such, you know? And I said, sometimes... You know, I believe on a spiritual level that sometimes those souls are helping us. We may not see it as the gift mm-hmm. at the time, but they're helping us and they're making space for something else or someone else like yeah. Ronan yeah. or like Oren to come to you. But again, that journey, you know, to go through all of that paperwork, to have that mm. It, it's something you must really, really want, Mary, because it wouldn't be for everybody. I know that. But when you saw your little boy, did you just know or how did that feel? It was very surreal, mm. to be very honest. I do. I have a distinct memory of going into the baby house or orphanage and it was um, super quiet. So it was in the middle of nowhere in Kazakhstan. It was in the country. Um, it was an hour and a half drive from the city where we were staying. So I remember them bringing us out. Um, it was April, so still a little bit of snow on the ground, but it was a bright sunny day. And I remember going in, we met the baby house director. We were with our translator and our coordinator. Um, and we met the director and it was super silent. Like it was so quiet in the orphanage, which anyone who has children knows that it's not normally quiet when there's a lot of babies or one or two year olds. And I remember walking down the corridor, they were bringing us to a room where we were going to meet them. And I remember kind of pinching myself thinking, this is it, Mary, like this is it. And Ashling was holding my hand and trying to look and trying to put things into my memory that I would remember afterwards. Um, and we waited in the room and they brought him in. So here's the thing, so we're so excited. We've been waiting so long, but this is a little baby who's one. We look different. We smell different. We sound different. You know, the language is Kazakh or Russian in Kazakhstan. So Oren was a very, very serious little boy. Um, and he looked and he looked and he looked and they handed him to me. Um, and he looked and he looked and he looked very serious, just looking around. And I remember just holding on to him. Um, and just kind of snuggling for a little time, but he wasn't used to it. So it took part of the process for Kazakhstan is you go every day to visit the baby. The baby stays in the orphanage or baby house um, for four weeks and you go every day and you visit and then you petition the court to adopt. So Oren slowly got used to us. It was actually Ashling he got used to. Ashling would get on the floor and he wasn't walking or sitting up, but he was crawling and they'd crawl around in a circle. So the two of them connected way before they, he did with Dave or I. And I think after about three weeks, I have a picture actually, and I remember he let Dave hold him and he fell asleep, like he actually settled with him. So he fell asleep and he's facing outwards because he, he didn't want to meet eyes. He wasn't, it was a bit overwhelming for him. So Dave has him crossways in his arms and he's fast asleep, you know, and slowly it takes time. This is a little boy who'd spent his first year in an orphanage who, um, it was a different, you know, he wasn't used. He spent, I think, 22, 23 hours a day, probably in a crib Mm -hmm. or playpen. So he wasn't used to the interaction with people, but boy, did he take, he definitely, slowly his personality came alive. Mm -hmm. 
And as I said, he's a character. He Amazing. is an absolute, he's one of, uh, we have a huge community of adoptive parents who I've met from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And we have a great friend lived down in the States and she had a, has a little boy from Kazakhstan. And she coined this saying that I love. She calls it the Kazmanian devils. And I will tell you, this devilment, my brother, Martin, always talks about Orin, his eyes, the eyes are going, you know, he's a typical boy into everything. Yeah. Orin didn't know how to walk, he only knew how to run, right? So he took a while, but yeah. Amazing. And has he any memory at all of not, nothing? No memory at all. Nothing. No, we, we have um, really good friends when we're in country, um, any families who've adopted from Kazakhstan will tell you the same that you bond with other families who are there at the same time Mm. we've made some really good friends so we have friends who live in North Carolina and friends down in Louisiana um, and they both they have children from the same orphanage as Oren and we've become really good friends so we get together now not the last two years because of COVID but we have had numerous get-togethers so the boys have that connection they all grew up spent the first year in the same orphanage together and now they're all that almost 17 year old young men it's all boys um five boys so yeah there's um but he has no memory no memory at all no and does he ever speak about and this is another thing i suppose people may worry about with adoption that they want to go back and connect with or find you know, their biological families or their mm-hmm. cultures, you know, is there has any of that come up for you or for Orin at all? The, we brought the conversation up, absolutely, you know, that the possibility is there. If Orin is ever interested, we can do what's called the birth parent search um, over in Kazakhstan. Up to now, he has no interest in doing it. But that can change. So for us, it's all about meeting him where he's at. You know, he knew from a toddler. He um, didn't grow my tummy that he, I used to always tell him he grew my heart. Oren is Eurasian. Um, and I have to say a good, a good looking boy. I have yeah, to say. I've seen but, a uh, picture of him. Yeah, beautiful he as is Ashling. They're yeah, gorgeous. Thank you. He is. So he's always known he's adopted. He's always known what he's needed to know age appropriate. Yeah. Um, but no, he, we will talk about Kazakhstan. Occasionally memories will come up and we'll talk about, I have to say Dave and I, Loved their time in Kazakhstan and Ashling. Loved the people. So much gratitude for, you know, his caretakers in the orphanage and beautiful, very family oriented race over there. So we loved this and we will talk about that to Oren. But yeah. no, right now, look, he's almost a 17 year old boy and he's a very typical boy. Yeah. Right? He's into these teenage and his Xbox and being with his friends if he can. And yeah. that's really his interest right now. So yeah. we're meeting and he looks, he's looking for his first part time job. So uh, we're just kind of being with him where he's at. But if that comes up, absolutely, mm. we'll do it's what really it's not what we want it's going to be what, what he wants, wants. Yeah. yeah brilliant and i think it's great to have that openness as well isn't yeah. it mary yes but as i said it can be hard you know for the adoptive parents sometimes because they're going you know i remember having a lady in a group once and she said i don't want i think it was her daughter at the time she said i don't want my daughter to find her real mammy she said, because what if she likes her more than me? And I said, the only mammy she's ever known is you. You're the only mammy she's ever known. And that's a really strong and a, a secure connection for her. And if she does, you know, in her adult life, she'll connect with that person. But and she'll be a mammy to her in a very different way. I said, but I said, you've been her mammy, I said, and that'll never be lost no matter what. But it was that fear she had that you know, what if, what if my daughter goes back and prefers the other mammy? Because I sometimes give out to her, she said. <laughs> <laughs> I said, all oh, mammies. <laughs> I was just going to say, that comes with the job description. <laughs> I think Gordon and Talia, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's part of the job description. But absolutely, you know, there's the primal wound. These yeah. babies grew in somebody else's tummy. And I don't care what anyone says, but my belief is very much that that birth mom will never forget this baby and never forget this child that they carried yeah. I it's funny I always I think of her every year on Orange's birthday and I yeah. think of her every year at Christmas and I try and send little psycho you know messages yeah. psychic messages just to yes. say he's doing brilliant and he's amazing and he's lovely yeah. um but that's Orange's story like the whole yeah. background and everything is his story I don't know if he will choose yeah. I would like to think while on one side it, it's yes you know, it would be probably difficult for us to 
you know, think opening up this whole thing, my thing will be for him, it's a can of worms emotionally, would he be able for this? But on the other side, this is Oren's story, and if Oren yeah. wants to do it, I am, um, you're right, I'm his mom, she's yeah. his mom too, though, in a yeah. different way, right? I'm the one that got the gift of raising him, yeah. and the gift of having him every day yeah. in our lives, and he is a gift, he truly, yeah. truly is a gift, but part of the human experience is, we also have insecurities. Yeah. That's just being human, right? So yeah. making space for both, I think, is very important. Yeah. Absolutely, Mary. It's so lovely the way you put it. I would be very similar to you in seeing the gifts and even the challenging times oh, and, yeah. you know, what we learn from it. And again, even when I, you know, in my last pregnancy with myself and John and we lost the baby. And I mm. always say, and I speak about to the kids now, my big kids, I'd say she was such a gift because like you, she tore me wide open but she made room for such healing and such joy and mm. such learning and brought me on the path to where I am right now, just Lovely. like you. Yeah. So I honor her. Her name is Annie. And Lovely. I often think of her and I often think of what you and they, we would say, what age would she be now? And I said, another 17 year old teenager in the house. Oh, my God, <laughs> what fun that would be. You know, so we still yeah. speak yeah. of her like you do about oh, Ronan. Absolutely. And I think it's very much even for your own self and honoring that. But I love the fact that you said, which is really, really, really special. It's just like you are Oren's ma'am that his mom that had him biologically mm -hmm. will never forget carrying that child mm -hmm. the same way you never forgot carrying Ronan, even Absolutely. though he didn't, you know, so it is, again, it comes down to connection, doesn't mm -hmm. it? And mm -hmm. yeah, it's all so powerful in your story, Mary, you're just amazing. I could just talk to you all night, but I'm again aware of the time. <laughs> so you've come and you've had this beautiful child, but then you went through your own, well, again, it involved your family, but it was a very personal, physical journey, first of all, in when you were diagnosed with colon cancer. Is that right, Mary? Yeah, that's all. Now, that's only a couple of years ago. So I had left the, the corporate world and gone back to college full time to be a psychotherapist. And um, 2019, I was, had turned 50. I think I was 51 at the time. And over here colonoscopies at that age and I had asked my doctor and set it up and no symptoms everything was grand my mom had a history of polyps but benign so I went in with for the colonoscopy with no expectation of anything coming up but when they went in they found a good-sized polyp and I remember the doctor saying to me at the time they had taken some out for biopsy um and she said we should know within a couple of days and then we'll take it from there um so it was a couple of days of being yeah kind of oh well first of all I didn't know there was anything there I felt fine absolutely no symptoms and then got the results within three days and she said to me it's benign really good news it's benign but it needs to come out uh the polyp so they referred me to another hospital in Toronto so that was probably September 2019 got the full polyp out and I remember the doctor clearly saying to me when he took it out um I'll give you a call with the results in two weeks and I remember thinking in my head but sure it's benign because mm. they did a biopsy and it's benign and I, I kind of put it out of my head and uh, it was my birthday that week I remember and got a call I think a day before the two weeks and just asked for me to call back and when I did the doctor the surgeon just said to me big surprise he said this happens sometimes but we actually found cancer cells in the polyp he said it was turning is the way he expressed it so he said uh, I think it was 70% was benign but 30% was cancer and um so big shock absolutely no clue like it was like oh my gosh first of all I'm feeling fine mm. so I was quickly referred to um good thing about living in a big city like Toronto there are not a lot of hospitals yeah. and I was uh, very quickly referred to uh, uh the oncology team in another hospital so I went met a surgeon there because the question was They'd removed the polyp, but were the margins clear? And they didn't know. And the type of polyp I had was one that would tend to spread quickly. And if I got into the lymph nodes. So I was referred to CAT scans. Um, and eventually the decision was made that I should have a bowel resection. So I had a bowel resection in December 2019, thankfully just before COVID. Um, and everything came out fine. The, thankfully, everything was clear. 
around but um so the margins were fully clear i'm being looked after very well i went back after a year for another colonoscopy and they'll continue mm. monitoring me um but it definitely something i would never have predicted another one of those chapters that mm. i certainly had no idea but i do remember very clearly i remember i'm a meditator i meditate every day i journal every day um it brings me into this world that gets me my head grounds me every morning when i'm having my coffee and i remember writing you know and i remember very clearly saying this isn't going to be it i want many more i have a lot of living i hope to do and i plan on doing and whatever i need to do right now i'm going to put my trust in the universe Mm -hmm. and show up and do anything i can and um, luckily, yeah, so the surgery, everything came back. And as I said, I'm being closely monitored afterwards. So not great news. But then if you're going to get cancer, stage one is mm. the best you can. And luckily it was surgery. I didn't need to do radiation. I didn't need chemo. So uh, just another one of those little chapters, huh? Yeah, amazing. And I'd say there's so many other chapters, Mary, oh, to talk about with you. <laughs> I'm old. I'm old. No, you're not. It's just I think you have... Um, and like everybody, we have interesting lives. We may not think they're do. interesting, but I think when you start talking about, you know, those experiences that we can share with others, we realize, you know, I have something to share. I have something to offer. I am of value. You know, my story does matter. And yours mm-hmm. really matters because for this lovely, you know, fingless girl that went as a nanny to Canada, met her lovely Galway husband there and is still there. <laughs> my lovely Galway husband he'd like that yeah (laughs) you know so I just think that again where our story can take us you know we have sometimes great intentions or Mm -hmm. we have a plan of what life should be like Mm -hmm. and we have it all worked out and life doesn't always work out sometimes it works out really well or better and sometimes we get a big pothole what we call in Ireland when there's a hole in the road we get a big pothole and we fall over and then we lose our bearings and it's where next what's happening how am I here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but again you know just in your story everything for you was a gift you always had hope and you did believe you know that the universe had something else for you in mind and that you kept giving more of yourself you know, to the world. And here you are now as a psychotherapist and you're giving again your experiences and sharing through that knowledge with so many of your beautiful clients. And I just think that is, to me, that is the most powerful purpose we Mm. have in life. It's being authentic. It's being real. It's providing that space for others that people provided for me. I went through my years of therapy, absolutely. Mm. I wouldn't have survived unless I had gone to a therapist over the years, whether it be spiritual, whether it be a registered psychotherapist, but it's providing that space for people to be seen, for people to be heard, for people yeah. to be validated, yeah. feelings to be normalized. It's all of it. We're all on this journey and why can't we help each other? Okay. You know, I say that day. everything we learn it has some value to somebody else. Maybe we we don't value it ourselves, but I think when we speak openly and somebody says, oh, I had that experience, I went through that, and they yeah. say, how did you cope? And you share, exactly. and then there's, a, as you said, a bit of hope when you were in that bereavement group yes. and you had that hope from someone that was 10 years down the line mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. just didn't feel at that time. You know, yeah. that's why it's so important. And speaking, and I think group support is huge as well. For me, I just love groups. I mean, I'm in the middle of it and I'm like, I love you all, you're brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I just something, and that's one of the things with COVID I miss. Like I do all my business online and I do some group work online, but I miss the physical, like the being the contact, right? And the little will come back, but it's going to take us a little while as well. But you're right, you're everybody there's something just lovely about being with people it fills me up right yeah absolutely well you filled me up today Mary Kyo and I just think I am so grateful and really appreciate you coming on I I feel like I could just sit and talk to you forever and ask you more things but again that's enough for now and maybe you'll come back again sometime and share more with us on your journey maybe i'll do a podcast myself one day and i'll interview you i'll ask you well i would be privileged and honored (laughs) to be your guest and i think so again for me it's not about the label of the podcast it's another avenue of sharing stories 
and sharing mm-hmm. your experiences, my guests' experience, so that someone out there listening is going to say, oh, I never thought about it like that. Or, oh, yeah. I can actually go and ask for help because, you know, a lot of people might say after losing a child, you know, well, now get over it. It's 10 years, you know, yeah. don't speak about that child, you know, or they feel they can't or who'll understand. There is so many people, you know, just as you've spoken about with fertility issues, mm-hmm. you know, infant loss, um, adoption, you know, every, there's so much in your own story, Mary, that people we can resonate story, with. Right? Yeah. Every one of us have a story mm. and no one is any better or any worse. And I love hearing the story. Really do love hearing the story. And it's lovely to chat with you today. Thank you so much for asking me. Mary. You make my day on a dull Toronto winter day. Oh, so. well, I'll send you over some of the Galway night sky and the stars <laughs> in on top of you now. Oh, and yeah, Mary, thank you. You're very welcome, lovey. Thank you. So you can check Mary out. She's on Instagram. You can also check out her website, www.sullismentalhealth.ca. It'll be in the show notes and I'll have links to Mary's social media accounts. Please do check her out. If anything has um, triggered you in this podcast, please do message me or Mary and we can put you in touch with somebody that can support you if it's not us. But I want to thank you again, Mary. Thank you to all my guests. You're not alone. Your story does matter. And there's always somebody there to listen. So thank you again. Um, Love to you all. Stay well. And I look forward to connecting to you all soon.